From Wakefield, it's the Nolan Cartnight Show star, Nolan. Why don't you join Nolan as guest this week, Bobby Figaro, for the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Nolan Cartnight Show. And if you enjoy what you're tuning into, subscribe, like, share, comment, follow, all that grand stuff as I usually do. And I'll say it again at the end. I hope holiday season was wonderful and great as we enter 2022. And when I was putting together my notes, folks, uh, of the show, and what I wanted to ask my amazing guests this week, I was thinking of this one thing, you know, with TVs and movies, you know, they have season finales, season premieres, first episodes, very last episodes, and this is quite similar, and this is exactly the same thing here as we've reached the season finale at season four of the podcast, and in that situation, you need to go out with a bang, just like a concert, and my guest knows all about that, and I thought, who better than this guest? You may know him as a musician, as a percussionist, as a drummer, as a singer, his TV roles on the Larry Sanders show, Just Shoot Me, but you also know him as a member of California Surf Inc. and a 14-year member of the Beach Boys. He is the one and only Mr. Bobby Figueroa. Bobby, how are you doing today? Hi, how's everybody doing? I'm fine. We're, we're do- doing well as we, as we talked about before we got going here. It's a little cold where I am, not, not as cold as where you are, at 60 degrees <laughs> warmer, so we're not that... Well, we're a little spoiled over here in Southern California. You know, we, we don't get really harsh weather. Yeah. It's nice. It's about 70 degrees right now. I'm not complaining. My, my grandparents used to have a place down in Vero Beach, Florida. So whenever my whenever they would call back in the wintertime when they'd be up here, they'd always brag about how it's getting dark at 8 o'clock <laughs> and how it's, get, it's still warm at night and we're shivering. But no, as, as I said, thank you for joining us. As I usually like to sure. do, I usually like to catch up and see how life's going obviously the last chunk of time we've been some interesting weird times um, oh my gosh yeah. I, I, I i'm vexed i know you 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 are as well and how's life been for you seeing as you know you're a musician whose career whose time is often you know revolving around touring you know it's been a little trying you know in a lot of ways uh to not be able to go out and play that much uh, or I mean, you know, it's 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 a matter of choice, really, because yeah. it's so hard. I, I don't want to endanger anybody, and I don't want anybody to endanger me. You know, I um, my only thing is to bring joy and positivity to wherever I go. So, you know, if I can't do that, obviously, then then I, I'm probably going to back out. But it's it's been a little a little trying, you know, because I really miss playing. Oh yeah. You know, my whole thing is is playing. I like doing the movies. I like doing commercials and and working on television and stuff but but my my real joy in life is playing yeah. music and singing and you know it's, it's just a drag when you can't but I, I shouldn't complain too much because I'm I'm not the only one I realize that a lot of people are in this position right now whether they're musicians or actors or whatever you know it's yeah. it's, it's really hard on everybody so I'm blessed that I'm staying well and uh, I'm working out here sort of woodshedding at home here with my instrument and my uh, yeah. my future projects that I'm working on and uh, getting ready to to do some playing. Finally, I think there's there may be a light at the end of the tunnel here. Hopefully. Might be able to get out there soon. I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be here much longer as I because <laughs> I'm graduating college at the end of the at the end, in the springtime. So I'm hopefully there's an in-person graduation. There's all that stuff instead of all this online stuff where your family's at home and you're walking across an empty stage. So what you had just mentioned stuff that you're working on, is that sort of what you've been trying to do to make sure you're not going crazy like some other people out there? Yeah. You know, um, 
I'm very involved with my group, of course, you know, with, with California Surf Incorporated. We're getting ready to come out and, and do some dates, um, you know, in Florida in February. And here's fingers crossed, you yeah. know. And then uh, we were going to go in March. I, I have a couple of things happening in March. I can't really talk too much about it, but but there's one thing that I can talk about, and that's we've been postponing a date in Lucerne, Switzerland. Oh, for a couple okay. of years now at a go. retro festival there uh to play for some folks and you know we've we've had to postpone it twice now and uh, it's been a real drag about that because I, I i look forward to going over there and playing and then um we're trying to put it together with with another show over there while we're there we'll play lucerne and then go uh hop over to Liverpool and, and, and possibly do the Cavern Club. Over. There you go. I know that, you know, the UK is big with um, the Beach Boys music and that genre. Yeah, of, yeah of we music. love the UK. Um, but Switzerland, that area, is does that have a big calling for that? I don't know how often you played there when you were with the Beach Boys. Um, in, in Lucerne, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, we did play Europe several times when I was with the Beach Boys, and it was always... You know, we were always greeted with with great acceptance and love. And, you know, the people there are just out of sight. They were so nice to us. You know, they're so such cool heads over there yeah. uh, all over whenever we toured uh, in the UK, especially. And, of course, you know, Holland and, and France and Germany and and Copenhagen, Denmark and Sweden and Norway. You know, we went all through those countries and, yeah. and everywhere we went. It was always a really fun time being there, you know, so. Yeah, I, I look forward to I love playing over there. I think there's a lot of fans. I didn't realize it before, but once I played there, I realized just how many people still enjoy the Beach Boys music over there. Well, who who doesn't enjoy? And for people to say that the Beatles are, are better are vastly mis mistaken <laughs> on, on, on that. Although they do have their their quality music. I, what, I, what I'm curious about, what I want to sort of start off with is sort of the beginning, which we had talked about before we got sure. going. I, I've had people on before that, you know, people in the media business, sports journalists and athletes, and a lot of people, regardless if it's them or not, other people in general who are successful, like yourself and what they do, that they sort of know, oh, they, they say, oh, yeah, I've known, I've wanted to do this since I was a kid, and this is all I've wanted to do, and especially when they're very, very well known. Um, what was your relationship with music like when you were growing up, not only just listening it, but possibly doing it as, you know, a full-time job, which you do? Yeah, I, you know, came from kind of a, I, I, you know, a musical family in, in that we're, there's always music in our house, you know, so I, I don't know if that qualifies just as being a musical family. I did have an uncle who was in a, a Latin uh, romantic type group that did a lot of ballads and stuff. And I, I was always fascinated by the fact that he could play guitar and <laughs> sing these songs, even though it was in another language, I still thought it was very beautiful. So, and then I had three older sisters who were like, I guess you would call them Bobby Soxers at the time, you know, rock and roll was just starting and they were keenly aware of it and brought those records home every day. And so I was raised on a lot of the stuff that, that say like Brian and the, and the other rest of the beach was were listening to at the same time, you know, and when yeah. Chuck Berry was coming up and little Richard and the Fats Domino and all these great people were coming up. Uh, I was listening to that every day, even though I was much younger, I was in yeah. grammar school but I still was hearing that every day, you know, yeah. and I'd race, I'd race home to watch, you know, uh, American Bandstand and, and see who was going to be on that day. And 
That's why I was so thrilled and happy later on when I got to actually be on there a couple yeah. of times with, with the Beach Boys. And then we did some New Year's Rock and Eves and stuff. And, and having Dick Clark introduce me to, to the world was yeah. kind of one of my biggest, ah, this is the greatest in the world. You know, yeah. I, I want to hang out here forever, you know, kind of thing. But it was always a part of my growing up. And then as I started to play, I picked up a guitar first and, and played guitar. And then uh, the group that I was going to be in, we were starting a group and nobody wanted to play drums. So I said, I'll play drums, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I began playing then. And then and then to my benefit, I I, um, I studied it in school, you know, and I and I was one of those band nerds, you know, that I joined the marching band and I joined, uh, you know, the concert stage bands and the jazz band and every band I could get into. I started playing. You, so it kind of prepared me for what was going to come later yeah. in my life as I got a taste of a little bit of everything and carrying a 50 pound uh, drum down the street for three miles was also a great training experience. Yeah. If you want to call it, there's like boot camp for drummers, you know, that's <laughs> like, sure. I learned how to, my chops, my endurance got way up there. So I kind of prepared myself for whatever came my way. And as it was um, later on, uh, as I kept playing, uh, the Beach Boys came my way. And, uh, and I was very fortunate to, to recognize that as a real opportunity. Do you think when you were listening to that music or the rock and roll early on when you were at that age helped you, I don't want to say better, get the betterment of you, but it sort of helped you foster a tighter relationship with it than maybe kids with, did early on when they got older, started listening to it at that time? Well, certainly you can, you can uh, learn from it and, and get into it at, at any stage of your life. Yeah. But being, being that I was, it was literally coming out of my ears every day. <laughs> Because I was only as high as our stereo speakers there in the living room. You know, there were a console with a TV and the stereo in it. And uh, for, and I, I like I used to just listen to these records every day. So I was very well versed. But I mean, you can certainly appreciate music in, at any stage of your yeah. life. But I think I was lucky that that I got an early education that way. You you had mentioned Dick Clark and I remembered the the clip of the the clip of I forget what song it was and I'm I'm sure you, you remember it where you Carl was there and Brian and Mike and I can't remember if Bruce was there as well but maybe Al was there and Dick had gone over shook your hand and um, Brian had made some funny comment about Dick and asked him about what he's writing now um, that sort of thing that television type of stuff and a lot of comedians talk about you know how Johnny Carson was their role model and how they grew up to be one him or David Letterman or people nowadays group to be similar comedians like that for you how much of an influence you'd mentioned Latin jazz and that sort of how much of an influence were those type of bands and big bands early on for you when you before you got going or when you were starting as a musician you know it was it was a big influence I'm sure that all of it helped to form what was later to become my own style of playing. Yeah. You know, in other words, I brought that with me. And even though um, when I when I joined the Beach Boys, they were more of a, a preset, stricter form of, of rock and roll. I, I couldn't, you know, I really had to calm myself down quite a bit because I, I had so much in me that I wanted to, to play. But, you know, uh, playing those shows, you know, I, I had to really quiet myself and and really listen to yeah. and be very uh, aware that the vocals were supreme. Yes. And that you couldn't you couldn't, you know, step on that or, you know, it was like, you, you know, you're, you're gone, you know, two yeah. weeks. Yeah. But, yeah. but it did prepare me to to have a musical ear 
and I was singing as well when I learned how to play. I also started singing quite a bit. So, so I was very appreciative of, of the harmonies and the, and I was just mesmerized. I remember the first night I played with them, just listening to those harmonies live for the first time and just the hair standing up on my arms and my and me going like there it is yeah there's that sound that i've heard that so legendary and, and here i am you know so so i i started to to rethink myself and started to um take the ideas i had and then that helped me later on when i finally went into the studio with them and say to do some recording especially with dennis and carl when we worked on ideas at brother records and uh started recording like for Pacific Ocean Blue and, and LA Light, um, the, the albums that I was lucky enough to, to be asked to participate on, you know, I, I kind of threw out some, and the great thing about those guys were, you know, and that include everybody, uh, Carl, Dennis, Brian, you know, everybody was like, they allowed you to, to express yourself yeah. in the studio, you know, and so I had ideas that okay, here's this, you know, yeah. and, it, and it was either good or it was, or, yeah. you know, but, but at least I got to try. And that's exactly. the one thing is they, they always allowed me to, to, to do what I, what I could do. And, and a lot of times it stuck and I'm really grateful, you know, that it, it prepared me in a way to, uh, to be ready for whatever is coming my way. And as it was, they came my way and I was quite ready. Yeah. Well, I, those two albums you mentioned that you were part of, and that's not just because of you're on here and you were willing to do this, but two of my favorite, I think, albums of of all time, both Dennis's and L.A. Light album. Uh, a lot of songs on L.A., the L.A. album that are, are, are very well done that I think, I don't want to say save it, but I think make it as, as well appreciated as, as, it, it, as it should be, especially the stuff that Dennis did on there. And I can't forget to mention Good Time. And um, I want to mention that at one point, at one point I was, I was a musician myself all for about six seconds in middle school. I played the sax like dr love himself mike love but it wasn't for me the the commitment level for me was not there okay but uh but that that's that I, I wish i played but who knows um i wanted to mention something and i when i was doing my research now correct me if i'm wrong bobby but i read somewhere that your sisters backed up i continued turner for one night um you know that's very it, it's true they actually yeah. did um what happened was i came home from school rushing home to to watch something, whatever it was that day. I was in grammar school and my sisters already kind of had a, a trio, a, a, a singing group, you know, that they did all the doo-wop stuff of the day. Yeah. And I had watched television and, and been aware of, of people like Ike and Tina Turner and, and you know, on, on a local program, an LA program called the Johnny Otis Show. And it was a, an artist, he, he did Willie and the Hand Jive, you know, it was Johnny Otis and it was kind of a rhythm and blues show and it was really cool, you know, and there was a, there was a venue in El Monte um, called the Legion Stadium, the El Monte Legion Stadium. And that's where all the, I mean, all the rock acts of the day, the, the Everly Brothers, are, you know, everybody who was in rock and roll, Chuck Berry played there, uh, Ray Charles played there, everybody played the Legion Stadium. And my sisters would frequent that place. My parents would allow them to go to, to see these bands, you know, the, the early rock and rollers, you know, the Everly Brothers and all these people. And so they're, they were very aware of, of Ike and Tina Turner as well. And, and uh, it so happened that on that, that day, the, uh, the Ike Cats all came down with the flu. <laughs> and so, you know, they, were, they, they couldn't 
they couldn't perform. They were they're sicker, sicker and heck there at home. They couldn't do anything in their hotel room. And they were like, ah, oh, we can't. So they, they somehow they had heard of my sisters that were a good singing trio and said, well, perfect. They can sing three-part harmony. So here we go. And I, I came up from school and there's I and Tina sitting in my living room. <laughs> wow. You know, and I'm like going, I rec- I know who they are. That's I could you know, yeah. but then they said, Great, get out of here. We're we're working. And I'm like, Oh no, I, I wanna watch, I wanna watch, you know. And so they they for one night, uh, they were the, actually the ICATs. Now, for you and that, and I'm sure, you know, you're pr- very proud of it, which, you know, deservedly so of them being able to do that, to play, to sing with people as legendary as they were. But what did that do for you in terms of confidence to be able to do, be a musician as yourself as a career? Well, I think that I knew things stuck in my head, you know, like certain songs and certain artists were very, uh, they had personalities and they had things. So I, I took I was way serious about it way early. In other words, I took everybody seriously. And so later on, when I, when I did see some of these people, I was, I was very confident in meeting them because I knew exactly what they did. I, I knew the songs. I, yeah. I, you know, when I talked to Ray Charles, I was confident <laughs> in talking to Ray Charles because yeah. first of all, he said, well, I want to sing Ceylon Sailor. And I was, yes, yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Ray, you know, I'd be, glad to back you up any way I can. I ended up playing drums and uh, singing backgrounds in the studio for Ceylon Sailor when we did the 25th anniversary special yeah. in, in, uh, in Hawaii, in one of my favorite places in the world. And so it, it did prepare me to, and the Everly Brothers were on that show and, and you know, uh, uh, anyway, there was a lot of people that came down my path as a result of being yeah. with them because, you know, to my good fortune, the Beach Boys were loved by everybody, you know, and wherever we went, I mean, I remember dragging Ray, Roy Orbison into the dressing room once wow. because I saw him and knew exactly who he was. <laughs> you know, it was just some cat standing there with dark glasses. I know that's Ray Orbison. Yes. And I grabbed him and I dragged him into the dressing room and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Ray Orbison and everybody <laughs> came running over, you know, like because we, everybody knew who he was, but it, it prepared me in that way because I had a, a really good education about all those people. And I, I really appreciated what they did. And, and as I came to learn, you know, Brian and Mike and Al and, and Carl, they, they all love those guys too. And they sort of, they sort of gravitated from what that, what they had done to their own style by listening to them as well. So, I mean, I, I was a little bit younger than them, and they couldn't believe that I knew all these songs, but <laughs> I had to explain to them that was because I was raised on that yeah. music. The best music, nothing much better than than today's than today's stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I guess you know, I, I you know, there's some good stuff now, but there yeah. always is good stuff. But you know, I really liked where where it all started. That that part of it was really stuck with me. Well, it speaks to the longevity of the Beach Boys, and in in particular, I don't know if you knew this. You may have seen this or not, but the Weekend had put out a new album, and Bruce was on a writing credit for one of the yeah, one of the yeah, songs. Yeah. And, it, and it's it, it's amazing in the sense that here he is, a man who's near who's been doing this for sixty years, and he's pushing eighty, and he's they're still relevant. It tells you that you know, although yeah. although the Beatles might have been big or the Rolling Stones, you still have the Beach Boys who their members are still going strong. Um, I know, like you said, growing up in Glendora, Southern California, I know that, you know, you said you were a fan of the Beach Boys listening to the music. How much of a, I don't want to say a stronghold, but how much of a myth, mythological grip did they have on 
your area of Southern California growing up? It was huge because of the fact that um, when the surfing craze started, my little town here, even though we were 20 miles from, from the coast, still, we found a way to get there. We found a way to get to the beach. And there was quite a number of guys at my school and high school that were making that trip regularly in the summertime and, and on the weekends when they could down to the beach. And so the whole surfing thing, I mean, we had skateboards, you know, we were making our own skateboards before it was even known anywhere else in the world. We were riding these, these, these clumsy little boards that we made with two by fours <laughs> and roller skates, you yeah. know, go, this, this might work. I know we, if we get the ones from the roller rink, those have ball bearings. We can use those, you know, and, and we, you know, we found a way to get those and, and all this craze was starting here. And there was a, a teen club nearby in Azusa, the famous Azusa, California, uh, that that featured a lot of the acts as well. And for a dollar on a Friday wow. night, I saw um, the Righteous Brothers, the Coasters, and one night I saw the Beach Boys when wow. they very first started. And they were wearing Pendleton still, and they were, and I went like, hey, you know, those guys sing pretty good. They, <laughs> they might do some, you know? And it was, yeah. you know, it's like kind of prepared me in a way, and it was kind of ironic that at the time, you know, they were they were starting to put out hit songs, and I was like, "Wow, you know, they they are pretty good." And and so surf music was really my first genre of music that I ventured into, was playing, you know, songs by Dick Dale and the Deltones and yeah. songs. That's how I learned how to play, on my own, you know, before I joined other forms of bands and stuff. I learned how to play surf music, and I and I would go to the teen club, and they would the safaris were from my hometown. From they went to high school with me. We at Glendora High, they wrote Wipeout, you oh, know, okay. yeah. <laughs> and that was the number one hit in the nation. So I'd probably the first kid that ever played Wipeout on a school desk in his <laughs> classroom. And, and, you know, because I heard it first, I used to go to the yeah. rehearsals and I heard them actually uh, put together that song when Ron Wilson started that drum thing. I learned it right away. And and uh, it, it's it's been a, a curse to me ever since <laughs> because I can't stop playing it. You know, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that now every kid in school has, has played Wipeout on yeah. their desk. You know, every single guy and in, in, in some girls, you know, has played that. So it was a huge grip on me here. So the Southern California thing was very much alive and Glendora was very much a part of it. You know, the whole surf scene and all that and the Beach Boys and everything. Um, there, the, I know that when you were, um, or you had made an appearance on, uh, Man Greg Coffee Show, Beach Boys Talk, and Gary Griffin had made an appearance on there, um, a few weeks ago, and he had talked about how, you know, he grew up listening to the music, and instantly he knew, I'm going to be part of them one day, and he ended up, you know, 70s, he did stuff, and he came back, um, for you, when you were listening to that music, and you had seen them, was there any situation where you were thinking mentally or told yourself, I'm going to be with them one day, or is it just like, God, that'd be so awesome? You know, it, it's ironic because I'll tell you a true story. I was dating a girl uh, my freshman year in high school, and um, her name was Christine. That's all I'm going to say. Her name was Christine, and her mother, I was, I was in my band, The Outsiders. We were our surf band, you know, <laughs> and we played at all the school dances, and and uh, sock hops and and, and uh, at the roller rink, at the battle of the bands, at the thing, you know, supermarket openings, wherever we could play, we played. But uh, she came to me one day, the Christine's mother and said, why don't you play with someone like the Beach Boys, you know? <laughs> and I went, 
No, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. I go, they're, they're brothers and cousins and stuff. And, you know, they're, they've already made it. There's fat chance I'm ever going to play with them, you know? And, and so, you know, ironically, we, you know, wind the clock forward. And when I ran into her after I had gotten the gig with the Beach Boys, I said, oh, by the way, um, um, Mrs. Hansen, uh, I'm playing with the Beach Boys now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of funny. She just yeah. looked at me like, what? <laughs> yeah. One of those things I said, it's your fault. Yeah. I said, it's your fault. You're the one that told me to do this. And when I auditioned and got the gig, I, I, I was kind of, kind of a funny thing. Yeah, that's that's at first thinking it's a fat chance, and lo and behold, you end up crossing paths and joining them. It's 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 a thing. I'm sure you think, how the hell did that that happen for me? But you know, totally, I'm, I know for a fact you're grateful. Um, I I read on the, when I was reading about the sort of stuff about you that you had performed at a place called Pandora's Box as you were moving oh, yeah. up in in the in the world as a as a musician. I'm curious on how consistent that was when you were playing at, at that gig. Um, you know, I was a junior in high school. It was, uh, I think, the year 66. When I was playing, we had progressed from the surf music, all, all, the Beatles had landed, you know, all this stuff was happening and things were getting more sophisticated. So vocals were very important. So I joined a different band and we didn't know what to call ourselves. So we ended up going, let's just call ourselves World War Three, you know, and that's controversial. And everybody was thinking that in their head yeah. anyway, because, you know, Vietnam was raging and it was just the beginning of all that. And, and the whole hippie thing was just starting to take off. So it was like, I was, we auditioned for, it was an underage nightclub in Hollywood on the Sunset Strip, right at the bottom of Laurel, of, of Laurel Canyon, where, you know, everybody, was living the, the birds, the yeah. doors, you, and Joni Mitchell, and the, you know all these people were living. Frank Zappa were living up in Laurel Canyon. So at the bottom of it was Crescent Heights and Sunset, and there was an island there, and that's where the club was. So we had a stream of of artists coming through there, and I was only in high school, but we 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 landed the steady gig there as a house band. There you go. So we played um, that summer, all summer, and, and then into the school year. And then um, the next year, we were asked to do it again. So the year of 67, which was my senior year in high school, that summer going into that school year, I was playing there again in the, the year that they had the, the riots on the Sunset Strip and everything. And so I was, I was still going to high school, but I was, I was already playing yeah. in Hollywood. And there was all these people. We Frank Zappa came in and jammed wow. with us. You know, people came through there. You know, across you know, uh, uh, the birds were playing down the street. You know, all these people were, were, were the the rock scene was really heavy in L.A. and it was really happening. You know, people were starting to to do great things out of Los Angeles, and you could see bands for like five bucks. You could wow. see fantastic. I saw the Doors twice. You know, mm -hmm. it's like cost me five bucks each time you know sometimes yeah. they were free because they had love-ins at the parks you could go it was a big hippie fest where bands would just play for free you know <laughs> and it was i saw steve miller blues band wow. i saw the jefferson airplane there the grateful dead you know bands all the bands of the day were playing there uh so there, it was a great experience and the the, the riot happened and uh, we even got our picture in life magazine wow a full full page spread you can find it August of 1967, 
and it says the wild scene on the sunset strip and there's my band the world war three in front of pandora's <laughs> box going yeah we're hippies you know you <laughs> one, of those, one of those things like that and we were just trying to stay out of the war but um you know that that was just what was going on then it was quite a quite a spectacular time in los angeles uh, that that brings up, up the question of you know you're doing that and you're around that environment of all these you know great amazing legendary musicians how did you deal with that you know you're you said you were a junior in high school and a senior high school still relatively young doing that i'm sure that definitely oh, yeah. was not just stressful but you're like oh my god how did i get in this situation i'm so lucky well i, I was in awe of these guys you know because they were already on their way you know they were already had notoriety and stuff but you know the my my, my thing was back then that i so wanted to be a real musician a real player and stuff i literally practiced and played six hours a day wow during all my high school years i didn't care if it was carrying a marching drum or playing a, a halftime show or 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 playing a jazz band or a or playing west side story with a concert band you know or yeah. whatever it was that came my way i was i was swallowing it all up yeah. i said i really wanted to be taken seriously as a musician and so i put the time in exactly i put yeah. i put the effort in and i and i realized that there's something to be learned from all those genres of music that any one of them can teach you and any one of them can become a part of you later on somehow you could meld into your own particular style or whatever you had to offer as a musician. I would think that, you know, you talking about that and you wanting to do as much as you could, I'm, I'm sure then that sets you apart from maybe other musicians of your, of your same age or expert area of, of, of music because you want so much, whereas maybe others, you know, they do maybe one thing and then you're doing all these other different ways to, you know, still involve yourself in in the music and the profession of drumming yeah i was trying hard not to be one dimensional you know yeah. it's like surf music you know that's it you know yeah. no no it was like more than that and i i found a way to incorporate it into whatever came my way and as it was the beach boys came my way and and i was very happy to to participate because it was just good music that's all i knew was exactly. it was good good music those voices were great and they they, they still are today regardless of what uh, whatever the word is, I, not itineration, but version of, of the Beach Boys music you're, you're listening to today. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know that, you know, you're friends with Carly, uh, Carly Munoz, and he was sure. the one who sort of helped you get with the, again, to touch with the Beach Boys and get going sure. with them. It, How far along was, because well, I know there was, uh, you had mentioned on with Matt and Greg that there was a phone call. He called you about the audition. How much, how far along after the Pandora's box, the junior, senior, was that phone call where you were talking to Carly about it? It was a couple of years after that, because after the 60, 70, you know, I didn't join the band until 74. Yeah. So that whole period in between 67 and 74, I was playing a lot of nightclubs in LA with different bands. And I joined a, a band uh, called the Poverty Train that I named after a Laura Nero song. Uh, that was because we were, we were riding that poverty train all right you know we were but we were a good band an eight-piece band from los angeles that we played the, the from la to anchorage alaska to hawaii this triangle we played for several years and that's how i met carly i actually took him to hawaii with right. with me with with the poverty train 
And uh, we had a very good experience with that because it was a really good band, really loved playing with. And we were, you know, we were pretty much a soul music kind of band. You know, we did Stevie Wonder and we did, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of stuff from that day that was more leaning towards towards uh, rhythm and blues and, and that sort of rock and roll. You know, we loved the Young Rascals. We loved, you know, Lydia Pence and uh, uh, Cold Blood, the Janis Joplin. You know, things were getting a little funkier, yeah. you know. So we, that was the kind of band it was. And I was very glad to, to have done that. So that the time went on, I kept doing that sort of thing. And then I lost track with Carly for a while. And then he called me out of the blue one night. <laughs> you know, I was playing at, at, uh, at the Crystal Closet in Pasadena, you know, uh, just doing my nightly gig, you know, six nights a week, you know, club gigs going, how am I ever going to get out of here? Yeah. You know, and uh, he called me and said he was playing with the Beach Boys. And I said, you know, how wonderful. And I was happy for him. And was it wonderful? And it was a great. And he says, yes. And he says, I told them about you and they want they want to hear you. Oh. And I said, I went, well, well, cool. What do I do? And he goes, well, come to Brother's studio tomorrow and, and you'll audition with some other guys. And I went, right I'm there you know what the heck you know so off off I went the next day and I showed up in Santa Monica at the studio and um, I was the first one in the studio wow. and uh, I played for the Beach Boys one at a time <laughs> so there was no pressure there you know it was like just what Mike and then Al and then Bruce and you know and Bruce wasn't there but Carl and they all asked me to play different things and little did I know they were asking me to play specific things that were pertaining to songs wow. that they did you know i didn't know carl wanted me to play surfer girl i didn't know that al wanted me to play ronda i didn't know that that mike wanted me to play surfer in usa you know it was like yeah. but those were the fields they were asking me to play and just to see if i was proficient enough at those fields and i guess i was because as i was leaving then i hear this shout from a room and it was dennis saying hey where are you going <laughs> you know and i was like Oh, hi, Dennis. Uh, uh, well, you know, you hit, there's eight other guys just plotting to get in that room yeah. to play for them. And he says, no, no, wait, come here. And, and um, I, I went in there and, and he said, we want you to go on the road with us. And I, I said, well, that's, I, my jaw dropped. And I went, well, cool. When? He goes, tomorrow. <laughs> and I, he says, put down your address on a piece of paper and we'll send a car and we'll see you in Seattle tomorrow night. Wow. Now, in that situation, that's definitely a high of emotions where I'm sure not till the end of the concert, you were able to fall back and calm down. When you were, when you got, got the audition, you made it and you were about to go on tour with them. How, mm -hmm. do you, how do you deal with going from playing at, you know, the night gigs that you're doing to then playing in front of thousands of people with the Beach Boys? Yeah, it was a bit different, you know. <laughs> uh, everybody cared for one thing you, the difference was that everybody was there to see you play yeah. and that they weren't there to pick up somebody or or to just get drunk or whatever you know they were actually there to to be entertained and i you know i i i realized that and even though i, I didn't have any a whole lot of rehearsal or any rehearsal i just was up there and um it was great it was exhilarating it was really exciting because I was not aware of some of the newer material they had done. Uh, in other words, so stuff like The Traitor and, yeah. and Caroline No and and Long Promise Road, which is wonderful. Yeah. You know, Funky Pretty and, and songs that were newer to me. And I was there going, 
oh, this is great. So yeah. it's not just it's not just surfing USA and fun, fun, fun. It's also this. Yeah. And that got very excited, you know, to see that. Okay, now this this is this is great because yeah. it's new and it was challenging for me to be on the spot and learn how to play this stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so but I was happy too because it, it was a uh, it was good music and I was happy that they had they had come this far and I, I had no idea that they had come this far but I was familiar enough with their their catalog that I could get up there and, and still pull it off but then I learned by listening to Carl Wilson by listening to to Dennis and who taught me an immense amount mm. of of musical knowledge and how to like I mentioned before calming myself down yeah this is how you play an arena you know this is how you not how you play a room but how you play to that guy in the back row of yeah. this 50,000 seat <laughs> arena okay this is this is how you you settle it down you you get more deliberate you get you know and I was I was learning from some pretty good teachers uh, uh how to sing a lot because once they heard me sing uh Carl insisted that I have a microphone right. and you know and they met with a little hesitance at first but once they heard what I could do. Then they started throwing parts at me, you know, because you go. they're going, I've been singing this part for 15 years. <laughs> Would you mind? You know, and yeah. I was like, no, I don't mind at all. You know, and, mm -hmm. and I started doing some of the, a lot of the falsetto stuff, which is a little harder for me to do now, but back then it was very, quite easy for me. And so I was, uh, you know, uh, tasked to sing more and more and, like I said, I was learning from some pretty good teachers. I, I would say so myself. Um, everyone knows, or at least the Beach Boy fans and Die Hard fans, and I'm sure people like yourself who have played with them, know how much, of, I don't necessarily say perfectionist, but how Carl could hear every little note, every part of the song. And when you'd mess up, he'd look back and give you that stare, which I remember how you mentioned that when you were with Beach Boy's talk. <laughs> the look. When you, were, the, when, you were, the look. <laughs> when you were starting out the group, how much how much of that was on you mentally at the same time as playing the music to make sure you're not messing up so you're not out and not playing with them anymore? Well, I think, like I said, my preparation before then had gotten me ready to 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 do well and perform well. So I was very careful not to mess up. And even though I did manage to once or twice get that look from <laughs> Carl, you know, here, here's how it went. It was like, first you get the look. <laughs> Okay, that's okay. Now you're you're kind of in trouble here. Then the next thing was he'd walk over and go, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and then that was like you knew that the next step was you're out of here. Yeah. Okay, you're fired. You know that's it. So it it really did. You know, really, really was like it only happened. And I learned that don't ever let that happen again. You know, yeah. don't, whatever you do, because in the middle of a, a concert in front of fifty thousand people. And the, the risers at Anaheim Stadium were bouncing, literally bouncing. And the stage was bouncing up and down. And everything's like chaotic and, and loud and, and boisterous. And, and the, the place is going nuts. And the cracks are in the wall. And Carl looks at you and goes like, mm, you're <laughs> little, you know, you know, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he could hear anything, anywhere. And, and it always gave me a confidence that I was very proud. And to this day, I'm very proud that I, I did a lot of big shows with them. Uh, for instance, Wembley Stadium, yeah. 
you know, and Madison Square Gardens and places like that, where we were up against some pretty good bands of the day. Oh, yeah. You know, we're playing with Elton John, we're playing with the Eagles and, you know, in top form, you know, and all these great bands that we got coupled up with in different situations. I knew that the Beach Boys were going to carry their own that day, that we could get up there and we could, we could stand up with the best of them and really give them cause to, to put yeah. on a good show because we were no matter what. And Carl made sure that that's very, very something that people really need to know that Carl made sure we were ready. And, uh, and it just instilled in me a lot of confidence, you know, at that point, you know, when you're with the group and, you know, they had released Sunflower and uh, other albums in that period of time where there was right before you got there, when you got there and you had mentioned, you know, Carl made sure that everyone was on top of it and whatnot. And he, you know, had led the, he was the uh, musical director and sort of the leader of the band at that time. At that point, you know, their music, although sometimes the fans would really love it and not necessarily the critics or vice versa, even when that's happening sometimes, how much was it still important for him to make sure we're still one of the best bands around town? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you had to be, Yeah, you had to be, you know, ever since I started performing at a, at a very low level, you know, at a very beginner's level to an intermediate level to now, now you have to be great. Um, you know, I always learned that, first of all, you prepare yourself mentally, physically, and then you put on uh, either, you know, you, you put on that suit, you put on that baseball uniform, you put on that clown suit, if you have yeah. to, with a big <laughs> nose and big feet, yeah. you know, whatever it takes, you put it on and you get out there and you perform and there's, there's no room for air. There's no room for, for messing up. You want to be good. So, so I knew that that band had that in their mind, you know, and, and that was, that was the way they wanted to, to perform. And, and if, if Carl Wilson was going to be there, he was going to make sure that was going to happen. So it gave you a great level of confidence. And I, I felt, you know, pretty ready for that. And even though I thought my level of, of a preparation was pretty darn good. I, I, I had more to learn and, and I did because, you know, they, they took me up to the next level. Yeah. There, there's another level that you have to go to and, and um, not only look good and be look confident, but actually hit those notes. Yeah. Hit them. Don't, sure. don't, don't falter it. Don't let anything dissuade you from, from getting to where, you know, it's supposed to be. And then at least, you know, you're covered, but, course you know when you're talking about singing with these guys it, it's it's pretty evident to everybody when oh, those yeah. when those harmonies land they they hit home pretty oh, hard very 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 much so um now correct me if i'm wrong but um in terms of date dates wise but when you were with them you know, obviously dennis was there you were there and uh mike kowalski was also there um yeah he's, you know, he's there forever um i know he wasn't there entirely throughout the 70s and into some of the 80s um but what was that like so obviously i'm not a drummer i'm not a musician but i'm sure that was a lot of to deal with in terms of making sure what you're all three doing are on the same page when you're doing your thing yeah you know it was uh we all had our own little mode to to hit and when it was your time to to do something but the thing was you had to be ready for any situation so you had to even though maybe you weren't 
scheduled to do something that day or you were normally playing on this spot, something could happen where you'd be thrown up there. You know, Dennis would decide, oh, I'm going to go down and play keyboards on this one. Bobby, you know, and I'd yeah. be like, <laughs> and I just leave up on the, you know, they'd be like, ah, and, and run up there and jump. But I knew the song and I knew how to play it. So, you know, we, we had to be ready for just about anything. Mike Kowalski was, was pretty good at that, you know, too. So we, we managed not to, uh, not to, uh, you know, do anything stray away from what, what we were asked to do, you know? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be hard pressed or whatever the correct way of saying it is not to mention that in the, the mid or yeah, the late seventies, mid seventies, late mid seventies, you participated on probably one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, Pacific ocean blue with, with oh, Dennis, man. which, which was one of, which is oh. one of the first albums that I, I got for the record player I have. And it was like uh, Christmas morning getting it. Um, mm-hmm. That I'm sure for him was definitely a revealing and a thing to process to get everything out. But for you to play on it with him, was, was that similar for yourself to get everything out and basically drain yourself of whatever you were dealing with? You know, uh, Dennis was, was great to work with in the studio and, when I went into the studio with either him or, or Carl, you know, or whoever called that day and said, hey, I got this idea, come down, with let's, let's, let's play. And I'd be like, sure, you know, I was always ready to, to do something. And the thing was, you didn't know where some of these songs were going to end up. You know, um, like, for instance, you, you, we were recording stuff and playing with ideas. And um, I remember when Carl called me one day to come down to brother and it was just him and I guitar and drums that's it in the studio with this you know the Hal Blaine kit there and and me sitting down behind them and Carl working on this idea and we laid down a track and I was like yeah Carl's out yeah that that's that's it that's this is his idea I have but that's pretty good let's let's record it and so we'd record it and then it came back later on and and I, I realized it was um, Angel Come Home. Okay. And I had I had no idea what, what it was. I All I knew was, here's a feel, let's play it. You know, and it ended up being, you know, layers of vocals and, and cello at the end and, you know, all these great, you know, components of, of that, which is one of my favorite songs because yeah. it was a Carl and Dennis thing that was just so, so wonderful that they, they were coming into their own as writers, you know. Yeah. And, and it was a great song and it was another another era of the Beach Boys where they, it was past the set 60s, but now it's something new and they're carrying their own and, and here's a great idea. And that, that carried into that. It was, it was good to do that, but you know, then we did Love Surrounds Me and I didn't yeah. know where that was gonna go. And I ended up on LA Light. Yeah. Then, then Dennis calls me one morning and says, get down here or I'll get some bum to do it. And I went, <laughs> all right, all right, I'll get down here. You know, and I, I raced down there and walk into the studio, and and there's um, a gentleman sitting there. Gonna, oh, Bobby, this is Jamie Jamerson. He's going to play bass. And I went, I had, um, and I went. Wait a minute, James Jamerson. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I went, oh, just the the guy that wrote the book on Motown bass wow. bass lines, you know, James Jamerson. That's all I get to play with him. And I so much, you know. Uh, so, and that ended up being Dreamer on, on uh, Pacific Ocean Blue. So, you know, it was um, it was one of those things where you didn't know where it was going to end up, but you know you had an opportunity 
to play and make a statement with these guys on a pretty good song. And so regardless of where it was going out, I was happy to be there. In 2000, um, in comparison to when it came out, it, it did it did well. Um, but when it came out, when they re put it out again in um, 2008, I believe what it was, when when it had all that success coming out again for a second time, how did you how did you mm-hmm. deal with it that time around when it had when it started to blow up like it did at that point? I was very happy for one thing because you know I always thought it was a great album. You know you got to understand that how hard it must have been for Dennis. You know it. Creatively, he had a great mind for, for music and for playing, not just on drums, but but for, for melodies and songwriting. And to be Brian Wilson's little brother yeah, is, yeah. and try to make a statement is not an easy thing to do. Of course. Yeah. But yet, you know, they the brothers, the Wilson brothers, supported each other so much. And I saw that they were a real family. I saw that from the very beginning. You know, the first time I met Brian in the studio and I was just like, here's this lumbering giant in a robe and a a six pack of, you know, San Miguel beer going, hi, you know, and I'm like, I was like, that's freaking Brian Wilson, you know, it was great. Hi, you know, and we played ding dang for an hour, you know, and it was like, it was just wonderful that way. But, you know, being that, being that you're, you're, but, but yet Carl was always supportive of Dennis. Dennis would do anything for Carl. Brian and vice versa. It just went three ways. There was real love between those three brothers. There, there yeah. really, really was. And and so whatever each one of them decided to do individually, they always had the support of yeah. the rest of the family. You know. When I now when I I'd grown up in the era or after it came out, but uh, when it was replaying Full House, and you had made a few appearances on there um, in the in the background. But I'd grown up on you know Barbara Ann and Kokomo, and then. I'll say I'll say Dennis's hit song um, forever, but then when I got older, right before or when I began in college a few years ago, I really started to get more into the band. And I the first concert I saw, or at least I bought on DVD, was Nebworth in 1980. Um, there was on the DVD commentary at the beginning of it. Al had said this was probably the first time in a while that they were all playing at the highest level that they could be. Um, after a, a f- after you know a few years of um, interesting times, I should say, when you were doing that, how powerful was that experience to have all six members there together, and then also be there with them? You know, I I've always prided myself on the fact that even though there's been different periods of the Beach Boys and and their growth and and whatever you know their ebb of popularity, good or bad, you know that they were all there and I was fortunate enough to play with all of them at the same time with the original band plus me yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 Eddie Carter and you know and and different people that you know that came to play with them as well and for us it was just okay here's another show and they're going to film it okay great so play good you know yeah, yeah of course you know that's what we do that's that's just what we do and it, it didn't really strike me at the time that this could be one of the last times that the band actually plays together as a unit, yeah. you know, that all the brothers and all the cousins and everybody, including Bruce, you know, was there and all those elements were there. And, you know, you don't really think about that. You, you think about, you know, the gig is the gig, right? Yeah. You've heard yeah. that saying before. And that's the main thing that's on your mind. That's the most important thing is to make this, this incarnation, this recording, this, this bit here 
the best you could possibly make it. And I was very happy to be there. It was a great setting and everybody was, was firing on all cylinders that day. It was, it was a great night playing wise. It was very satisfactory, very, you know, uh, very, very fulfilling that I could look to, and there's Brian and there's, there's Mike and there's Alan, there's Carl and there's, you know, my friend Eddie Carter's over there and, yeah. you know, and, and Mikey Maris was playing keyboards in, and it was like, it was a great feeling up there. I, I felt so good being there, you know, and because, you know, the English fans are great, you know, oh, yeah. and so they really make you feel at home and, and, and they're looking at this castle in the distance and going like, there's a castle, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and not letting it phase me, but, course, yeah. but but playing that last shot, I had no, no idea of the significance of that day, really, but I'm glad that we did good. It's a, one of my favorite memories of playing with him. Speaking of big time shows, you know, you were part of other big time shows with the group Live Aid, the countless 4th of July concerts, as well as, as you said, the 25th anniversary with um, Ray Charles coming in to play Sail on Sailor. How do you, how do you look back on that and say, how the heck did I, how the heck did I have a part in, in that situation? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's weird how it all happened, you know, probably shouldn't have happened or maybe, you know, very improbable that it did happen. But I asked myself that, that question, you mentioned the, the 4th July shows, those were, those are really huge. You know, those are, those are big shows. And, and um, we, we got to the one, I think it was an 85 with Ringo was there. And, and that's exactly what it was been a gloomy day and it wasn't really sunny. It was 4th of July, but here we are back at DC and I'm like, oh boy, here we are again. This, this is great. We're, 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 we're cool. We're happening. And uh, it was a gloomy day and we started Carl counted off California girls. Three, four, boom, 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 boom. And right as he said that, and right as we hit that first note, and I'm not kidding, and, and I wasn't hallucinating, I wasn't on drugs or anything, but a shaft of light broke through the clouds and hit the base of the Washington Monument that I was staring at from the stage. And I saw that, and as as the um, music rose and crescendoed and the the, uh, the the intro played its course until well he's coat and right as that happened, the entire monolith, the entire Washington Monument was lit up entirely by the sun by one single shaft of light. And at that moment, that's exactly what I said when you just said, how in the hell did I get here? It, it, I'm sh I don't, and especially to play with someone such as Ringo in the 80, 85 at that, at that concert, I'm sure definitely was uh, another hard, great hard, you don't know how that happened. Um, wow, I a, beetle, I, a Beetle, I got to yeah. play with a Beetle, man. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And you played with Dennis Wilson, who also is, or not that time, but beforehand, one of the greatest drummers of all time. Um, I want to skip. Oh, I, think so too. I want to skip forward a, a few years and not keep you here too long. Um, uh, after your time with the Beach Boys, you were, as I mentioned in the intro, the Larry Sanders show for many, many episodes, and you had mentioned at the beginning the entire of this, run, yeah, the, yeah, which which is an impressive thing as as well. You talked about at the beginning, um you know, having depth in terms of different types of musical um, experiences. Yeah. Coming from playing with the band and then going to that situation, was it hard for you to adjust to a situation like that in terms of music? 
um, you know, it just takes concentration. And we really, on that show, everything that we did was recorded, you know, before it was like you were basically in the studio and that I was comfortable with because you would record certain sound effects or whatever loops because they didn't want anything to interfere with the dialogue of the show. The, you know, the jokes were the important thing. It, it was yeah. a, it was a parody of a talk show. Yeah. And for that reason, the, 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 the dialogue was super important to every, the script was super important and you couldn't play over it except when you were asked to play over it. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, give me a boom, boom, you know, <laughs> Hey, you know, or something like that. And uh, it was, it was a great set to work on. Uh, Gary Shandling was a wonderful man to work for. He was wonderful. Always. He used to ask me for jokes sometimes and stuff <laughs> when he did his monologue, but uh, you know, it was, it was different, you know, but, but it was being in the studio and playing a feel. And then, and then during the show, which was about five minutes of every, every episode, you know, the rest was in the dressing room or yeah. in the makeup room or at the hotel or, or with the girlfriend or something like that. But it was a very important that it was about a talk show. So exactly. here I was at every show that, you know, that they did um, being the band leader and playing drums, you know, and, but, you know, we basically didn't really play on the set, yeah. you know, unless we were asked to. So, you know, but it was different because it was, it was still just rock and roll, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was still, you know, just, just, you know, the, the, the stuff like that, but it was a great experience. You know, I, I'm really glad I got to do that. When you, in, in the late, after that, in the late nineties, um, when, after Al had left the, the Beach Boys and all that stuff happened, and we don't need to go into, into those details because that's not for this. Um, when you joined, when you played with his group, that, iteration of his group then with him and his two sons and Richie Canada and Billy and um yeah that was one of my favorite groups that was at, a good band. at that point in the nine early 90 late 90s how how was it from your perspective after everything that had happened with the group at that point and they're trying to reconvene and figure out their own image again yeah you know that that's a tough one because there was a rift there you know Carl was gone Dennis was gone and to me that was a big a big hole in the, in the band, you know, because that presence was so, Dennis was so charismatic. Carl was so important to the, to the structure, you know, and, and the, the competence of the band. And, and then they were having the inner problems too, which I don't like to talk about either, but, but, you know, it was, it was an uh, opportunity for me to go and play some more and that music that I love. And yeah. he had Carney and Wendy there as well. And, and, and uh, uh, Owen, Owen uh, Cass, uh, Elliot was there for a while, you know, um, and um, it was a super good band. I mean, because they were, we were all, we were all hoofers. We, we were all, you know, uh, we had more than a cup of coffee with the Beach Boys, every one of us, you know yeah. what I mean? We were, we were, we were members and, and we had luggage tags and we had, you know, <laughs> we had stacks and stacks of itineraries at home if we bothered to keep them. And I did, but, uh, um, you know, it was just another incarnation as far as I was concerned, but there was some strife going on between, you know, Mike and Al at the time, and it was really, really too bad because it's such a beautiful thing when they were all getting yeah. along and playing together. It was so evident how great they were, and I, I, I never cast aspersions on anybody because it took every one of those guys to make that happen. Very true. It took Mike, and it took Al, and it took, you know, and Al's still great to this day. 
yes, you know, he still true. sings really, really well. And and uh, now now I'm sitting with it. Now I'm not babysitting uh, Carney and Wendy. They're playing with us now, you yeah. know. And like you know, come on, girls, we're going on the airplane now. Come on, you know. And they'd be like, okay, you know. And but and, and there was Matt, you know, who who used to come up and and play a little bit with me on this on some of the stuff on the percussion, you know. And now he's singing his butt off and and yeah. doing. So the gene pool was rampant, and it was all good vibes, you know. Yeah. It was all really really good good vibes there i really enjoyed that hope i can do it again i want to i want to sort of discuss at the at the end here sort of today's today's um musical version of yourself you or after that you had now you're part of california surf inc with ed and a few other member um former members um yeah everybody in cal surf was was a member of the beach boys that's that's my requirement for this band everybody had to have more than a cup of coffee with each place you you had to be there and that's that's why we kind of keep it that way it's a little brotherhood you know how much i mean you want you a lot of you played a long time together especially you and ed who i know you, you have a close relationship with ed after especially since he's was with the beach boys practically since the beginning when they oh they started one yeah, of the, the very, 60s <laughs> one of the very first touring members um yeah yeah what's that like for you at at this point this to be able to have still have their relationship, but to know that you know you all have this experience, so it's not like you're bringing someone new into group. Let's say like Kiss did with Tommy Thayer. Right. Well, everybody knows the the stuff. Everybody knows. Everybody's been through the wars. You know, it's almost like you you know it's it's almost like you really weren't a beach boy unless you were hired, fired, and rehired. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know there has to be a lot of energy there, but. But that's the thing we all have in common is at some point we were in and out of that great organization. And I feel very at home with that, the, the fact that we all know the inside story. We, we all played with those guys. We all played with, you know, it, it was, you know, the other, the other groups are great too, but my group is unique in that way that we all were actually there and part of the group and um, trusted touring members mm -hmm. and recording recording members as well so I, I really like that part of it and it's like it's like the beach boys were when they first started we're just a five-piece band you know exactly, that's yeah. it we go out and play and, and do those songs um and try to cover as much as we can of the vocals yeah. and we, we do a pretty good job of it because you know pretty much everyone knows uh, what, what those real parts were what those how not to get the look you know how, yeah. how, how to how to just perform it and and do it right so I'm really happy with that. It's such a good feeling that, um, you know, nobody, nobody questions each other. It's, you know, we we're all very capable of, of doing the job that's in front of us. So it's, it's fun that way. You don't have to worry about teaching someone new stuff, you know? Exactly. Which is uh, the stressful sort of situation. Well, as we had talked about earlier, you know, your song playground but by, by your group california surfing and i want to try my best technically to try to get to play it if it, if it hopefully can i works. can i tell you a little bit what it's about oh, of course yes definitely yeah yeah uh, well you know uh, someone came to me with a, a an instrumental track and some other words that i really didn't like but i i decided let me take this song and i want to write about my experiences and the things i used to talk about and the things we used to talk about on the road with Dennis, with Carl, with, with the guys in the band. And, and I threw song titles in there and I threw, you know, um, 
things that we actually used to say to each other when we were traveling. And so if you listen very carefully to Playground, the world was our playground. Yeah. That stage was the Beach Boys playground. This is where we were happiest. You know, the rest was just traveling and getting there and checking in and checking and sound checking. But when we actually played, that was the real joy of the whole experience. So I talk about that and there's, there's song titles, there's things yeah. that Dennis used to say. There's the personal is like that. So if you listen, you'll you'll pick out things. I I, I picked out a few. Baby Blue, I hear that in the song, Pacific Ocean Blue. There's there's a few that I've I've picked out. And as, as I mentioned, it's it's such a when I listen to it, because I believe I I had seen it maybe on on Spotify maybe a while ago. And then when you had told me about because I knew that you had released material, I listened to it again, and it was an experience that when I was listening to it, it's a very powerful song in terms of the beat. Um, but also what you're trying to um, describe and share, although I'm not someone who can do a very good job of reading between the lines all the time with certain stuff, but it's definitely a very powerful song that touches your heart. And it's a total Beach Boys-esque type of song, but also at the same time, different in the sense, which is good. But I'm going to try to play it a little bit right now if I can sure. certainly do that. I said, Bobby, that it's it's a very powerful song to that that touches you very much. So thank you for you know putting that out there and doing something with that because it's oh yeah definitely yeah thank you definitely something that after I found it is is something that I've listened to quite a bit in the last since since we first talked about it and I had asked you to do this. So it's it's a song oh, thank that I've been you to for. A while now that I don't plan not stopping. I hope the fans get a chance to listen to it, and they'll see what I'm talking about when when they hear the lyrics. But uh, it really harkens back to all the good things we used to do, you know, and all the yeah. joy that we bring. Want to do that? We're we're still out there trying to keep it alive, you know. Well, that's that's what I think. At the end of the day, the whole Beach Boys music and concept itself was about, you know giving this type of music to the people, but also giving this sort of emotion through their music out to the people to bring joy, which not just for myself, but I think definitely a lot of people over the years have experienced and at least tried to experience that not necessarily other other bands can do. Yeah. Yeah. Brian's Brian's music and the Beach Boy music is is really, really good for your soul. You know, that's exactly. that's all I think 
when Brian explains that he says he just wants people to like it and it makes him feel good, then he's happy. You know, that's that's yes. all that's all he wants out of the whole thing. And that's that's the beauty of it. So so simple and so uh, so, uh, um, you know, innocent. Yeah, just, just it, it makes you think of a very of good times and, and and the the emotions you felt in you know in growing up and they were so good at expressing that and 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 um and playing it live you know someone someone once asked me uh, what do you do you know and, and it was a very important person and I had to think very carefully well what is it that I do you know when I when I met this 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 lady you know and she said what do you do and I said well I had to think about it for a minute and I went, you know, I play music. I help play music for people of all ages and for a while it makes them feel really good. And yeah. she said, that's good. She said, that's good. And I, and I was, and I was gratified that she said that because I was talking to mother Teresa. <laughs> well, when I, when I, I'll give you an example of sort of how I, what I was just saying in the sense of, I had seen Kiss, the, a great band in itself. A rock, oh yeah, rock great old band. band yeah. And I saw them at Mansfield this past summer at the Xfinity Center, and that was great. You know, rock and roll and total rock and roll band, and that's great. Yeah. Listening to the song, singing, I saw it with my mother and aunt who had grown up with it. But I had seen Brian and his band in the fall in October, I think it was, of, of obviously of 2021 with my dad who I'd never seen a con I hadn't gone to a concert with him before and I sort of had to get him along to go with me and sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. although he knew the stuff he he wasn't as maybe a big time fan as maybe others were and that's you know totally fine but I had seen him it was a total magical moment listening to Brian again because I'd seen him <laughs> yeah. by myself I had I'll give you another story I had it was right before COVID it was January I think it was and he was performing it was one of his last few shows of maybe a winter tour and I was like, man, I'd got to see him, you know, who knows how long, you know, you never know what could happen. So I said, I'll buy a ticket, spent some money on it. And I went by myself and it was the most magical thing ever because there's a difference between singing along to surfer girl with everyone compared to Detroit rock city at the thing. And there's, <laughs> and it's, and it's funny because uh, listening to surfer girl or as long as that good timing on the LA light album, it's yeah. powerful for someone to do listen to instead of, you know, listening to another, any other type of music. And it, it's a powerful thing that they did that I'm sure that looking back on it, they're very proud to have been part of. Sure. I don't know too many people that, that, that don't know that music is once they hear it and remember, and that's what I, I loved about playing it in, in the shows is when you see that look on the people in the, in the audience, when they go, I love that song. Oh, I love this, you know, and, and they, some reason it touches them for whatever reason and and you see that joy in their face it makes it all worthwhile and i, I can't remember when i first saw that clip of when you were <clears throat> you were part of the queen mary concert and you were tasked <laughs> to saying sailor sailor but i believe that was before i had seen brian's uh, and I, and i before when i was listening to the beach boys that album that that song was on i wasn't you know i don't want to say a doubter on it i don't want to say i hate it i just there was a lot of stuff on there that i didn't gravitate towards than let's say pacific ocean blue dennis's album or la light album or other songs and other albums but i after i had listened to that version of yours which you know in itself is you know amazing and you know out of the park it, it definitely helps you you know enter in new music and find stuff that you didn't know that they had that you know makes mm -hmm. you more into it and 
I, I it's just it's amazing how you know wide variety of music and the the depth yeah. and the catalog that they have that other bands can't necessarily offer that they cross so many different genres and still it still sounds well yeah yeah they, they always did an honest job of it no matter where they went and that's what was exciting is that that uh you could be a part of something that was going to be old but new at the same time you know exactly. is uh something that you know that's you know, you don't get in that situation very often. You know what I mean? Where, but it was for some reason with, with the Beach Boys, it's it just happened automatically because of who they are. You know, and uh, you know, it, it was a big part of me. You know, I, I liked a lot of different kinds of music, and I and I listened to them, and certainly thought that they were very very good as singers and everything. And when I found myself playing with them, I I, I said, well, now I know why because. I'm listening to it night after night and it's always good and it's always yeah. great. And people always like it. I've never, every show was, was a good show. Every show was important. Every show was, was uh, well received. Now, before I let you go here, and I'm so grateful that you, you stayed on here with me for so long. I want to end with my segment called the one word challenge. So for those who don't know, oh boy. It is, it's when uh, <laughs> I take, I take a few things that are somehow connected to my guest and they have to do their best to okay. say a word or two that comes to oh. mind when they hear it. So, Mr. Bobby, are you ready? Go. Uh, Glendora, California. Home. Uh, World War III. Great band. Sail on Sailor. Favorite song. Uh, Dennis Wilson. Good friend. Pacific Ocean. My soul. And last but certainly not least, Bobby Figueroa. Hard trier. <laughs> well, sir, I, I want to say sincerely, and as I've mentioned countless times already, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. It means a lot for you to have the uh, patience and the willingness and how, how fast you respond back when I do this. It, it means a great deal. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on, Nolan. I, I sure appreciate it. It was a great talking to you today. Of course. Well, as I usually do, if you like what you tuned into this week, folks, do us a favor, subscribe, follow, share, like, comment, all that fun jazz, help it grow. Because years from now, when you look back on this episode and say, holy <laughs> this was amazing with Bobby Figueroa sharing his story about music and his path through it. Um, Bobby, I know we sort of talked about it before we got going, but is there anything you'd like to plug out there and promote? Um, just, you know, I hope that uh, everybody, we can all get together again, be in that playground again. If you hear me coming to your town or neck of the woods at any time with my group or who knows who else, <laughs> um, you know, please come by and say hello to me. I'd be most happy to, to spend some time with you and, and uh, play some music for you and uh, take care, stay safe, stay well, love you. Good vibrations all around. Yes. Well, in the words of, uh, in the words of an amazing drummer, sail on sailor. And in the words of Johnny Carson, I bid you all heartfelt good night. <laughs>